Welcome to Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Art. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. As or usual, whenever you're listening. Or whenever you're us. listening. That's right. She's sipping a coffee. I yeah. have had my one coffee that I'm keeping my holding myself to. I know your your hair is gonna go up on end. I'm I'm trying to have just two two coffees a day. Yeah. Yeah. So I have water. But that's okay. Water's that's good. good. Water's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Life giving water. Good. Yeah. 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 So um we were talking just a little bit before about um whether or not we'd had any feedback. I have heard from my friend Maggie in Scotland who listens. Mm-hmm. Um She's going through a rough patch with her own aging parents and siblings and mm. everybody having to pile in and all kinds of family dynamics are appearing. Yeah. And she is really appreciating our Enneagram chats because they're supporting her and giving her food for thought as she's navigating yeah. these choppy waters. So, yeah. so yeah. So hi to Maggie in Scotland. And I hope, uh, I hope this yeah. conversation helps a little bit too, you know? Yeah, me too. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Maggie. Yeah. Um, everybody else. Yeah. And I also, my dad and I chatted this week and he says that he listens to all the podcasts and he really Aww. enjoys and appreciates what you bring, Angie. So there you go. Aww. Yeah. Well, hi, hi, Trudy's dad. What's your dad's name? I dad's name is Gary. Be- yeah. You met him Gary. once. I brought him out. Remember? I did. Yes. Oh, I it was do. pre-pandemic. I do and we had that. a little walk around the property and uh, did. we looked at the abandoned um, pool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That used to be a the basement of a Scotch distillery here. Yeah. It wasn't actually a pool. It was a. It was turned into a pool for one summer. Uh, I just learned not too long ago by teenage boys who lived here back in their early sixties. Okay. And because it was a foundation that had been emptied out, they filled it with water and thought they would turn it into a swimming pool and it was a swimming pool for snakes and frogs so i can imagine it it lasted one season (laughs) it can you imagine well i guess it would be like swimming in in any kind of any kind of lake or small pond or something it would get full of algae and creatures absolutely what a great segue into today's conversation like we didn't even plan this but it's like you have this expectation of how things are going to turn out like i'm going to have a pool and i'm going to fill this thing and it's going to be warm and lovely and we will swim (laughs) there and then you go out there and there's snakes and frogs (laughs) welcome to the enneagram welcome to the enneagram yes (laughs) so where there are snakes and frogs (laughs) where there are snakes and frogs we um so uh, I re-listened to uh, our last episode on wholeheartedness, mm-hmm. and the same thing landed for me as landed for me in coming out of that conversation with you in the first place, which was mm-hmm. I have always, I have come to the belief or understanding that safety, belonging, and dignity are the things that motivate our behavior. Oh, yeah. But what landed and really fit in place almost with like a you know, like a two puzzle pieces coming together with a satisfying click um, was when you said, we are all just trying to protect our hearts. Oh, yeah. And we do that in nine different ways. And I was like, yeah, safety, belonging and dignity. But underneath that is is a really tender heart that we're trying to to keep safe. In all kinds of ways. And what that has enabled for me and has given me legs in my life is Mm -hmm. how when I come across someone who is doing something that pisses me off, Mm -hmm. um, 
I find the path that the the squatting down to compassion to dig that out yeah. is less of a deep squat. Uh, it, there's mm-hmm. a shorter pathway into my compassion when I say, "Well, they're they're not trying to cause me harm. They're trying to protect their heart, protect themselves yeah. in some way," and that yeah. almost always these days has been shaving off that sharp edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to bring that forward and just say for me that that's, that's been really, really helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what anybody else has uh, had to say about it or where you landed with any of it, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's um, I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, uh, Enneagram related, uh, mm-hmm. uh, someone who was seeking me out for some uh, mentorship and she said that she'd gone through a particular training. I'm not going to name that training, mm-hmm. or, um, but had gone through this particular training and had learned how to use an in-depth analysis. So it's a, it's a test that you take, and it spits out a whole lot of information. And the whole training was how to read this analysis so that people could identify and own their number. So that was the essence of this whole, and it was an in-depth training. I mean, it was like a year. And so she came to me and she said, I'm so disheartened because I went through this training. And what I learned about the Enneagram was, is that I'm supposed to learn my number and how to live into that. Mm. And as a coach, she is, she's certified as a coach and works as a coach. Then that I'm supposed to coach people to their number. Mm. And ow, ow. and she said, she did say, actually, I told you earlier, I hadn't gotten any feedback um, this time around, but she had listened to one of our Mm -hmm. podcasts here Mm -hmm. and said, I was struck by the conversation of a different way. Another way of working with the Enneagram is instead of learning about my number and trying to mold myself into this description that Mm -hmm. I have now that I should be blank or blank mm-hmm. or blank or blank. And if I'm really good, I'm blank. And if I'm really bad, I'm blank. And so I avoid that. And I do that instead of trying to twist myself into a pretzel in nine different ways, maybe the Enneagram is there to show me me. What if, what if the number is there to show me me instead of I'm here to show me a number? Um, <laughs> and so we had this conversation and she said, it just completely discombobulated my this whole year long program, because I was so sad when I left it to think I'm here to coach people toward a number, toward a description, toward a definition, instead of saying, here's a, here's a mirror, what things fit, what things don't fit, what, what is your motivator and driver and what helps you shine more authentically in the world. And, and so that I'm very much truncating this, but she mm-hmm. just talked about how she heard this podcast and how it, how she resonated with it because all of a sudden the Enneagram wasn't uh, a five-step program for better leadership, but instead it was an invitation to explore who am I really, which is a much longer conversation mm, and I love that. Full, of, full of snakes and frogs. Sure. Yeah. And... What, a, what a great, what a great window <laughs> opening though in her. I mean, I can, I can feel yeah. that in my heart, just like the window opening yeah. and the sun pouring in and it's like, here's a possibility. Here's yeah. a possibility. Now, I did a little bit of research. I have I am holding in my hand um, "Embers" by Richard Wagamese, which we've mm-hmm. talked about before. And I, 
Yeah. Uh, I've said before, I've, I've used this when I when I facilitate sessions around you know leadership in the workplace and stuff. And I'll bring embers mm-hmm. along and often just kind of open it up and see what it has to say. So I did that today with our themes for today, which are rebirth and community mm-hmm. in mind and just wanted to see if there was anything here that spoke to me. And there's a little passage here. If it's OK, I'll read it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So Richard Wagamese from Embers, one Ojibwe's meditations. I no longer want to be resilient. I don't want to simply bounce back from things that hurt me or cause me pain. Mm-hmm. Bouncing back means returning to where I stood before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bouncing back means returning to where I stood before. Instead, yeah. I want to go beyond the hurts and the darkness. The first step toward genuine healing from my mental illness was when I came to trust and believe that there was a beyond. Mm -hmm. Now I reach for beyond every day, in every encounter, in every circumstance. I seek to go where I have never traveled. I wake with the vision of a purposeful day filled with adventures and teachings. Then I take the first step and try and make it beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That seems really apropos for what you just shared. Going oh, man. beyond. You know, yeah. I don't want to be resilient anymore. Yeah. His writing is is uh it's more than just a best selling, oh, this is a good book. Mm-hmm. It's um it's prayer, it's poetry, it is it's pause. Um, it is pause. Yeah. Um, his stories, oh, he, the way he writes is is uh, not unlike the Enneagram, like the way we talk about the Enneagram anyway, is mm-hmm. that, you know, it's an invitation to find your own story in there. You know, yeah. what does resilient, as, as he says the word resilient, for example, I know that he has his own experiences of resilience that he also writes about in other places about mm-hmm. how he has been resilient. So that word connotates, but as I, as I heard that that word grabbed me as it flew by and it's like, Oh, resilient. What does that mean to me? Mm-hmm. And I, this goes right into the Enneagram, the rebirth thing, what I was considering for today um, <laughs> as I was putting my socks on this morning was one of the things that I've experienced in working with the Enneagram is that as you read it or as you, you know, peruse the information about it, or even as you take a one day workshop on it, or, you know, just as, as you go through, here's what the type, let's, let's just pick a number here. I'm going to, here's a type three, you and I, neither one identify Mm-hmm. Um, as type three is home base, but here's the type three and here are the qualities and here's the gift of the three and here's the holy idea of the three and here's what the three does under stress and here's what the three is looking for and here's where, so here's all the bullet points. Like we said two episodes ago that the Enneagram is really a simple tool. It's just like a map that you fold out and it shows you things. Mm-hmm. It's not like a map app on your phone that says, here's what you do and here's what you do and here's what you do and then you have arrived, but it's this big landscape. So as you get all this information at first, and a lot of times you go over that information by yourself because it's intriguing. It's, you know, it's like reading a Nancy Drew book, like, oh, there's a secret here and there's in the old clock or by the, you know, underneath the cat or whatever, wherever she was finding clues. 
sorry, listener, Nancy Drew was part of my childhood. And yeah, so, uh, yeah. oh yeah, but, but all those clues that she, and so the Enneagram is a, like a clue dropper, like mm-hmm. here's a clue, here's a clue, here's something. And so you're reading this map and as you read the information in the map by yourself or even with other people, but you're still doing it, you know, like there are words that grab you for better or for worse. Sometimes those words will be like this, oh my gosh, you know, this great squeal of delight, like, oh yeah. And sometimes those words are like, oh shit. Hmm. And you, those words, you kind of want to bat away. Like somebody's throwing you something, you want to bat it off. Like, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to see that. And so that's part of the, the, the words that we are wrestling with today, our rebirth and community. It's, it's like um, the community piece of it is having people who are kind of there around you so that when you look at those things that you don't, just a word, like even the word resilient. Mm-hmm. Like what if this certain type has this quality of resilience, which isn't, I mean, all types are resilient. All people are resilient to a certain, and, and so, but here's this resilient, you're like, oh, that's no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So there will be words that you don't want to identify with, you don't want to own, because those are the things we feel ashamed of, or those are the things that we would, that we think we've gotten past. Those are the things that are embarrassing. And so with other people around us, community, they can say, you know what, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's look at this gently and see what it is about it. So I'm just planting the seed here as we Mm -hmm. go off on community that as you read a book, like Richard's book that you just read, a word will fly by that you grab onto. Mm -hmm. Why do you grab onto that? What does it tell you about yourself? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, I have a question. Yes. Do we need to be resilient in order to experience rebirth in, in the story that you shared with me this morning about your potential client, mm-hmm. she had a whole year's training that left her feeling, um, sorrowful. Yes. Yeah. To be able to come out of that space and seek something different suggests some resilience and, mm-hmm. To then have, as I, as I sel- said, I felt that window mm-hmm. opening and the sun pouring in and the possibility of some other way of doing mm-hmm. this suggests the possibility of a rebirth mm-hmm. into a, a new way of seeing and holding and working within the Enneagram. Do we need to be resilient in order to be open to rebirth? I think we need to be resilient just to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, ain't that the truth. Some days I do need more resilience than others to get out of bed in the morning. Thanks for joining us here on Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Arndt, as Angie and I sort of wrestle with this idea, with these concepts of rebirth and community as seen through the lens of the Enneagram. I see resilience as, uh, you know what, sometimes life sucks, but I am... I'm going to get up and take that one step, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as as he said, and yeah. I am going to, I'm I'm committed to this because without resilience, we we give up. Yeah, and he's he's we, big, we just give up. 
He's baked yeah. into this, the idea of moving beyond. So, so yes. he says bouncing yeah. back. So I don't want to simply bounce back from things that hurt me because that indicates that I'm going back to where I was. I want to take the learnings and move beyond. Yeah. And, and for him, the resilience was, was a way of moving beyond something yeah. that might have been holding him back, making him unhappy, insufficiently yeah. nurturing, yeah. Um, whatever. So now I reach for beyond every day in every encounter, in every circumstance. And I wake with a purposeful day filled with adventures and teaching. And then I take the first step to try and make it beyond. Yeah. So there's a, so one there's of the a things, forward yeah. action. So movement. one of the things that he names there, though, is that resilience has been, was a part of his process. Mm-hmm. So there is, there, there comes an awareness of something and here's, and here's, let's, if we mm-hmm. put this in Enneagram context, yeah. um, say a word flies by in our, in our, uh, as we're reading about our Enneagram type or somebody's teaching us about our Enneagram type, or we're getting mm-hmm. to understand ourselves through the lens of our Enneagram type. And we see all these descriptors and there's one of them that just, it stings. I mean, well, I felt that know, way about it, shame. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I felt that way about joy actually in mine. Right. But that's right because okay. because as a child you were a busy kid who was constantly being told you're you're too right. much you're too much calm down yeah. stop being yeah. joyful do you have to keep wondering about things like kids yeah. stop asking questions you know yeah. um you're and so it gets out. squished yeah. out you are exhausting me like why do you have to find so much wonder in that fuzzy caterpillar why can't you just shut up like God, shut so, um, yeah. yes. So, th- so there were moments there. Yeah. It gets squished out of us. Mm-hmm. And so the Enneagram, like other uh, other things, the Enneagram's not unique in this, but other things that are seemingly innocuous, seemingly simply descriptors. This is one of those ways that I usually offer up to students is to say, when there's one of them that you go, Ugh, no, no, I don't know. I don't, when you are fighting against it, that's probably your type <laughs> it's not the one that you are clamoring to say oh yes i'd love type. to be that i'd love to be that yes it's the one that you that you really defend yourself against mm. um that's another um conversation as well anyhow mm. um as we are getting to know type and as we're just being introduced to the Enneagram or even returning to it. Every time I do an introduction to the Enneagram class, and I've been at this a long time and taught a lot of those, that there's still something there that's like, oh, I'd forgotten. Or I, so, you know, you come back to the basics and you and you remember those very, those first steps as, uh, again, to quote uh, Richard, those first steps and here are these qualities and to even sit with them requires resilience. Mm-hmm. To even come face to face with here is what I have automatically unconsciously done to protect my heart and how I've reacted and pushed people and pushed events away or shielded myself, probably uh, at harm to my relationships or, or not, or at least not to strengthen my relationship with myself and with other people and with the world around me. Mm-hmm. And so those awarenesses create like an eddy, like like if you're out kayaking mm-hmm. and you're going down and there's a little eddy and you just can't get out of it for a while. And sometimes you just got to sit there. Sometimes you just got to sit there for a second and let it spin. Mm-hmm. And so you are sitting there and letting it spin. And that requires resilience because you can't just go from 
oh, here's this thing that makes me cringe, or here's this thing I don't want to talk about, or here's this thing that make, that I'm embarrassed that I may have done, actually, and I don't want to look at it because it tweaks, it pinches. Mm. And so you bat it aside to move on, to go, like, so Richard says in his, the, the piece that you just read, like, I, I want to go beyond resilience, and now I wake up with purpose. You can't wake up with purpose without going through that resilient piece first. Mm-hmm. To do so would be spiritual bypassing. It's like, I don't want to look at this. So I'm just going to jump to purpose. What's my purpose for the day? And I'm going to get up and I'm going to ignore all those things that I don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore the snakes and the frogs. Yeah. And this is going to be a great pool and I'm going to just make it great. And mm-hmm. it's perfect as it right. is. So I think resilience is just a huge piece of what it takes and it's not like we get through it and it never shows up again there will always be experiences that we just have to pause and sit with it for a while dark night of the soul mm. uh, lent lent is the season of lent right now for mm. people who are um of the christian faith and others who mm. who want to practice that mm-hmm. um this is the time where you take a deep breath and you say what am what am i doing to get in my own way and that takes resilience right. to come back to that question of Life is short, and how am I getting in my own way of yeah. of being uh, of service, for lack yeah. of a better word, or yeah. or how am I or doing up? things of good? How am I showing up? How and am how I, I shine? shining? Yes, which exactly. gets me to a very basic kind of question, which I'm going to drive mm-hmm. us into, which is mm-hmm. how does the Enneagram, in very basic terms, how does the Enneagram support rebirth? I mean, why did we even pick mm-hmm. this as? Uh, a topic to look at. I mean, I know we talked about it last year in our we podcast, yeah. but but why look at it again with renewed eyes through the lens yeah. of the Enneagram? Well, it, it touches on what we just have been spending some time with is there, mm-hmm. there are, I mean, there are different traditions. That, uh, matter of fact, I don't know of a spiritual tradition that doesn't talk of rebirth somehow, like as a symbol or as a metaphor mm-hmm. for um, growth, for spiritual growth, for sacred growth, for soulful growth, for for becoming adult, you know, some of them have specific rites of passage. Some of them, you know, some have less specific rites of passage, but there are also, there are these moments of, of awareness. The Enneagram is a non-specific rich to me is an Enneagram class. Even a two hour basic intro to the Enneagram can be one of those <gasps> moments, mm-hmm. you know? And I think if you have a, a container in which to have those that they are they are mm-hmm. just a more than a curiosity of oh here's why i do what i do and isn't that fascinating and i can't help it that i blah blah blah. you know we've mm-hmm. talked about that mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and so what you're talking about is a gasp of recognition that yes. oh i do that yes. and then a almost i mean i'm trying to remember back to that feeling my my first exposure to the Enneagram and that feeling of, well, for me, sitting as I do yeah. in that in that heart-centered too, that, that wash, that very visceral wash yeah. of, oh, I don't like that about myself. Uh, yeah. I think I've, I've maybe, I'm not, I'm not sure if I said it in this space, but my father's been transferring all of our, our family uh, film from yeah. real to real film Ooh, that eight millimeter. Yeah, oh, that cool. Yeah. And um as a little kid, I used to do this thing that as an adult looking on it now just makes me cringe. And it's and it's that lift my chin up and put this big <laughs> smile on my face and lift my shoulders up and it and I know I'm I'm like 
I'm mugging for the camera, but I'm also saying, oh, yeah. love me, love me, love me. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. fuck, that hurts. Every time I look at it, it hurts. And it's one of the things that um, that I feel most tender about. Yeah, and wow. sitting in this space as an adult, I, I am working really hard to be able to hold that little kid and that little kid in me and say, yeah, that yeah. is me. I just want to be loved. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know. <laughs> yeah. It, it just strikes right in my core of my being as being, oh, shit, I don't want that. It's an absolute visceral, like, you know, put it, put that into some kind of safe container and be okay. You know, you don't need to show that you need everybody that much. And I know that I'm still <gasps> that person now and I'm 54 years old. And there will always be a part of you that it. Even no matter how far along this path you you grow and you glow and all that stuff, to the end of your days, there will still be even a nugget of that. Please love me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's, and, which brings me to Rupi Carr, which is another Canadian poet. <laughs> and, and it was just, it was just this little thing. She's a uh, Persian Canadian living in Vancouver. A young woman mm. in her 20s, she does these gorgeous concerts. Uh, she filled the oh, NECs. Yeah, I've heard you talk oh, my God, that. she's amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. amazing. Oh, loneliness is a sign you're in desperate need of yourself. Mm. And I would say shame yeah. in that case. You know, this is from her book, Milk yeah. and Honey. Uh, if anybody's yeah. interested, we'll put some links to these in, in the yeah. episode notes. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like all of that work inside no matter how much I work on it, I will always have first that visceral reaction of mm -hmm. shame and all the work in the world, all it does is it short circuits the length of time that I allow myself to sit in that feeling of shame. That's all it does because mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I am that person that will come up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how, how do I pivot to loving myself anyway? And it's, I think, the same for all of us when when we speak to the Enneagram, because each Enneagram space has these kinds of triggers. Oh, yeah. Multiple, <laughs> actually. Yes. Um, you know, there's, but there's generally one that really is tender. I mean, it's, it's just tender. Yeah. And as, as you were speaking about loneliness, it might, there was a, I've said before that we can be lonely in a, in a crowd. I mean, we don't, we could be surrounded. We could be in downtown. We can be in Times Square um, and feel so lonely, mm -hmm. so lonely. And we can be out in the middle of the woods and feel completely connected. Yeah. Um, so it's not a matter of location. It's a matter of relationship with self. That to me, the paradox of that is the only way I know to develop a stronger relationship with self is by being a part of community. Yeah. Um, and I believe that the definition or or the ways we can participate in community are vast and varied now, more so than probably any time in history. Um, uh, I think the ways that we can go online, especially during the pandemic, I mean, everything was online, but it opened up this whole world that I can study with somebody 
who I have, you know, a bookcase full of that person's books. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can study with that person in a three hour uh, Zoom call, uh, even if that person is in Europe or even if that person is, you know, a plane ride away or even if that person is just down the road and I don't feel like leaving my house. I mean, I can do that and I can hop on. And so we can we can study with experts, mentors, people who have who have big names and all that. And I, I think that's fascinating. And I think that's a benefit to um, but in, in translation, what happens then is growth, self-awareness, self-growth, self-discovery all becomes about self. And what we discover is that's a never ending well of we'll never get enough information. We'll never study with enough people. We will never have enough knowledge to fill that void of isolation or deficiency or loneliness or because actually the more we dig, like I'm just going to take that class with that person because that person knows all the answers. They, I've seen their TikTok videos. I've seen their I've, social media. I follow them on social media. They have 4 million followers and they are so good. And of course, you know, you're going to, and those seeds will come, but then how do you tend them? How do you become willing to set with those things that poke at you? And if you're by yourself, you won't, you won't, unless it becomes a self-improvement project. Um, and it's not like, it's not unlike losing weight and it's not unlike building muscle. And it's not like I, from between now and December, I am going to lose X amount of pounds and here's what I'm going to do. And here, and you can set up those charts and you can mark your progress. But the Enneagram was never intended to be that kind of self-improvement project. It was enabled to show us what it is we do to break off from relationship with self and other. And so the only way to become more aware, the only way to practice growing those muscles is to do it in the company of others. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so awful because we have now become really a, a, an entertainment uh, performative society. Yeah. Um, like we don't dare show up without, and actually I would say that learning something like the Enneagram or, or spiritual growth or soul stuff across the screen only or in podcast only or in makes us only more performative. Mm -hmm. Like I have that answer now. I know that piece of information and I'm going to do it mm -hmm. instead of slowing down to say, what does that really, what does resilience really mean for me? I don't know. How about you? And how do we become more vulnerable in that with one another and to share, I don't know the answer or here's what I believe. What do you believe? And seeing that we don't have the same experience, we don't have the same definition of that word we don't have we don't have this we don't even have the same worldview on that word and it doesn't only that's not only because we grew up in different areas it's also because of our enneagram type i see things differently i relate to words differently i relate to people differently how about you and the enneagram then to go back to that question that you asked forever ago is you know how does the enneagram actually plant seeds for a rebirth it's not an individual rebirth it's not me rebirthing myself. It's me opening up to other possibilities of relationship to my surroundings and to the my neighbors and to my relationships with my husband and my children and with you here. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just me rebirthing, a, but it's not Angie 2.0, Angie 4.0, Angie 
this is and it's almost like stripping away the layers and rebirthing relationship and becoming more open and more if that makes sense i don't even know if that makes sense but it's 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 not birthing ourselves into a better version of ourselves mm-hmm. it's it's creating a space where we can actually create co-create recreate recreate um life as connection life as community life as relational and not just life as me doing me better right yeah because yeah. it feels to me like one of those feedback loops if absolutely if yeah. personal development is an inside job but it can only be done in community then how is personal yeah. development an inside job that is done in community right exactly like it's yeah it's this it's it's this push me pull you 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 can't have one without the other no that's why i wonder uh and i do wonder this a lot you know i wonder this a lot and i've probably said it here at least half a dozen times is that as places like church synagogue temple you know as those traditions as we step away from those traditions for whatever reason you know those used to be our once a week kind of be in community ideally and i understand this is an ideal version of it ideally to wrestle with who am i and who are you and oh that's right there's a difference here but we're all created in the image of we all carry a sacred slipper sliver of how do we work together how do we play together how do we create good in the world together um even if we don't see eye to eye we're very different um so without those once a week heck let's just go once a month pauses in just doing our own thing it's just going to keep being our own thing and we get together like a book club then and say hey what do you think of it and then it becomes a passing of information hey i read this about the enneagram hey i read this about the enneagram did you know that you do this did you know i do this and then it becomes this batting of information back and forth instead of us slowing down and pausing and being still with who am i and who are you and that's that's what those places were intended to do uh, I ache for those places for all of us. It doesn't have to be church. It doesn't have to be, but it has to be those places where we can go away from and continue to wrestle with as we go to work, as we sit around the dinner table, as we watch TV, as we have these things that have been planted in us and we continue to wrestle with them. And then we come back together in community again. So that's that infinity loop mm-hmm. that you talk about is it's not all one or the other. It's not like I just go away to a retreat and wrestle with it with those people there and then come back and forget it mm-hmm. until I go on retreat again. It's just regular well, you, moments. You can of do that, but yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that just doesn't make it real in the ordinary everyday stuff of life. It's like splitting ourselves that I have community and we meet twice a year on retreat. And then the rest of my life, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm something else. Back. I'm not that person. It's kind of, well, Which I'm is, resilient. Yeah. I'm bouncing back to myself. I go away on retreat right. and I stretch and then I come back into the world and I bounce back to myself. And in that case, I am completely with Richard Wag- Wagamese. Yeah. Wagamese. Wagamese. That's you. how I say it anyway. Wagamese. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but in that case, I'm so with him is that this, I don't want to bounce back to my I want to bounce self. beyond. I don't want to. I want to move beyond. I want to bounce. With intention and purpose. 
Absolutely. And there, the Enneagram does has the potential. It's not always that way. I understand that not everybody sees it the way that I do and that you do and that those of us who have studied together do. And that's my hope is that it can be that place where we stretch and we grow with each other. And there's not about like you do go back to life and and you do bounce back to a certain extent because that's your ruts. That's your wagon wheel ruts. You know, mm-hmm. the, back the settlers used to go across the country and they would drive these ruts into the rocks. And we have ruts in our rocks yeah. of life. And we go back and we settle in those places in our relationships and in the people who knows us. This is what we do. But we ache for more. Like we get a glimpse of more. The Enneagram tells us the shit that we do unconsciously because it's our defense mechanism. We're protecting our heart are protecting our heart. And at the same time, it reminds us of this light that we carry. And when you get a glimpse of that, that's when you don't want to go back to doing the shit that you do. And you're going to, because we are human beings. You can't transcend that, but you can become more aware of it and more, oh, Mm -hmm. and for a while it hurts. For a while, it's just, damn it, I know better. I shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. But in time, it's like, okay, I'm I'm doing that thing. Is this what I really want to do? Right now, I can't help it, but I'm going to, okay. Mm-hmm. That is what you, you and I have talked often about the word grace, including in this space mm-hmm. about what that is. And that's where grace comes in. It's like, oh, we get, the, we genuinely mean, I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. I am the one pushing you away. You're not the one pissing me off. I'm the one who has built this wall. And I'm going to give you a pass for it. And you're going to give me a pass for it. And we're going to try again to have the relationship that we want to have. But it gives you a different language. It gives you a different, and that's the rebirth. To me, that's the rebirth part. So thanks for sticking with us here on Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Arndt. Angie and I are really wrestling today with this idea of rebirth and community as seen through the lens of the Enneagram. And I I hope this this is shedding some light for you on how this can work. Stick with us, we're heading into our last, our last little wrestle. Uh, if I could geek out on on, uh, on scripture for just a second, and I'm not because I know not every, but, but my, one of my favorite gospels is the gospel of John because it, it's not literal. Like every other, like there's Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the New Testament, and they are very storytelling here's what happened here. And this is what they ate. And this is where they sat. And here's, you know, what somebody said and yada, yada, yada. And they're all very practical stories and they're wonderful and they're delightful. And I love them all. But John is like this dream trip. He's like, you know, he takes you on this place that it's not details. It's more mystical. Like you have to really, it's kind of like he did a little LSD before he told his stories. And the very beginning of the gospel of John, can I say that? Yes, I can, because I can. And so he did. And at the very beginning of it, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Well, if our relationships, if we are being transformed, our words are going to change. How we talk to each other is going to change. How we talk to ourselves the stories we believe about ourselves is going to change because we start to see ourselves. I'm a, and now I'm going to set aside God and all that language, but we start to see our lives as something like a gift. 
we start to see ourselves as we get, we get glimpses of it. We don't hang there very long because we haven't always treated ourselves that way, but we start to see each other and we start to see ourselves as a gift. And this gift that we have is so the, the shelf life is so short. Yeah. Like our expiry date is coming. I know. And I know. I know. And if you start counting it that way, I'm 54. If I live to a hundred, I yeah. have less than 50 summers. I have summer. Yeah. I'm not so big on fall. The colors, I, I have 46 of those left. Yeah. Like, I know. when you I mean, begin to if, count if, it, if, if I live to 100. I know. <sighs> wow. Yeah. And not a one of us knows. And I, yeah. I understand there are people who say they know and God has a plan. Sure, sure, whatever. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm you sorry, do you. whatever. You don't know. You do you. But I'm saying that we don't know how long the shelf life is. And we're all going to end up under the grass in one way or another. Yeah. And so you start to see that and you get a glimpse of that. And the Enneagram then does give you a glimpse of there's this soul, there's this light, there's this sliver, something in you is so fucking beautiful. And it's beyond language. It's just this thing that you are, that you carry, like your body is just a vessel for this thing. But it's so scary to believe that you have something so beautiful that you can share with the world. It's like you don't, you don't, you just want to control it. Like I just want to manipulate it. I don't want to because it's going to disrupt my day. It's kind of like I'm not in charge. If I do this thing, it might overwhelm. I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons we don't shine. There's nine different ways, and underneath those nine different ways, there are a bajillion different reasons why we don't want to do it because it's scary to be so full of joy to be so filled with love for everything to to find wonder and beauty in the world to just see this and you know all these mm. all these different qualities of the of the enneagram come up but when you get a glimpse of it and just a taste of it it's like oh my god and that's when the resilience it's like i i'm tired of getting up and fighting my way to happiness i'm tired of getting up and going back to that same old wagon wheel rut in the road i'm tired of doing that mm -hmm. there's got to be another way and there is and the enneagram shows that and it shows how we get and so when you have people around you who remind you of yes you're in a rut right now we're human beings we're all going to be in a rut and i'm right here to shine back to you who you really are and we'll flip each other off on the way and we'll say, get out of my space and, and you're full of shit. And this Enneagram is stupid. And by the way, you're stupid. And I just, and we walk away from it. We go back to resilient because that's what we know. But then we come back together because there's that something in us that knows that it's true. I think there's just something in us that knows that it's true, that there is another way that we don't have to fight to defend our hearts, to protect ourselves, to, to be loved, to, to be happy, to succeed. Like there's not a fight about it, hmm. but there's a commitment to live. And that's different. That does take efforting. That does take showing up. It, it's not like we're just going to float through life and, and uh, you know, put our fingers in the um, position and just bliss out. That's, that's not it. There's still hurt. There is still angst. There is still, heartache there is still things to stand up justices to stand up and speak out against but it gives us a different language the word the word is sacred it gives us words that we otherwise might not even be open to like grace or blessing or being 
that is a rambling sermon right there. Mm. I just got off on a soapbox. <laughs> I got on my soapbox and I ran. <laughs> well, there, we're, there we go. we're meandering here, so it's uh, <laughs> we're it's, meandering. It's all okay. That was a soapbox meander. So, yeah. do you think that this is where organized religion has gone astray and why people have left? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And what's the way back? I mean, you, you can only run so many Enneagram workshops, my dear. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we, we have a tiny little podcast that's beaming this out oh, into the world and, and others others doing similar kinds of things, I'm sure. But, you know, when I look at the work yeah. of On Being and, um, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, there, 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 are, know. there are places, but, you know. Yeah, there is. There are multiple answers to that question. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a simple answer to that question. Yeah. That organized religion, in and of itself, is not a bad thing, and I am not going to speak out against it as the evil empire that some might. Mm-hmm. I will speak out and speak up that it has become an institution to be protected and not a practice to engage. And this is oversimplification, and I understand that, and that there are pockets of organizations. There are individual churches and synagogues and communities and ashrams and all kinds of things that are beautiful places of belonging and, and conjuring up life and doing that. So there absolutely are, as a whole. Um, I my experience is that organized religion has become um, a place that became a professionalization of sacred living. Um, people like me got paid, not well at all, um, but we got paid to do spirituality for everybody else so it was an abdication on both parts that those of us who have the title and who put on the stole and who perform the rituals um unknowingly got off on that i mean it's it's a place of power it's a mm-hmm. place of prestige it's it's a privilege to be invited into those moments and without a humbleness to do that it becomes a big ego trip and we become, and we get really good at it. And yeah. it's not anything that happened overnight. It happened over centuries. Some, with some, it happened overnight. Um, and then people who were coming felt, well, I don't know enough to do this. And I don't, so why don't you tell me what's right? Why don't, you're the one who studied this forever. You're the one who has practiced this. Mm-hmm. You're the one who has done this. And so then over time, and there are all kinds of studies on this that, I'm going to use the word church as a catch-all phrase for every spot, became a place where people just dropped in Mm -hmm. for an hour a week and then an hour every other week and then an hour every month and then at Christmas and Easter Mm -hmm. or whatever your high holy days are, where we just dropped in so that somebody would perform it for us and would show us what it might could look like Mm -hmm. instead of it being this community where we call it, yes, we do need to have people who are educated. Um, who have studied things, just like we need people who are educated. We need doctors who are educated. I'm 
I'm not going to take out my own spleen when I need to. Not going to happen. <laughs> but I might read up on, I might go on WebMD and read up on what's wrong with my spleen. Yeah. But I can't handle that. We do need people who are deeply committed to studying sacred stories and studying what this means and praying and performing rituals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But those people need to conjure it out and make it a shared experience so that it really spreads. Yeah. And without being in community, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it is entertainment and performance, and it continues to make the people sitting in the pews feel like shit about themselves um, because they don't have what it takes to live a sacred life. Um, they don't have the years of study. They don't know what's right and wrong, and they expect us to tell them. Yeah. It's not unlike Enneagram then. Mm-hmm. It's we need people who are well versed in it, who have their feet who are deeply rooted into this. So that it doesn't just become a hey, I took a weekend class and I understand the one is this and the two is that, the three is this, and you're a four, by the way. Did you know that? And here's what we do. And then all of a sudden you have all this discombobulation without connection. Mm-hmm. Um and when it's deeply tied to who we really are at our core, that's a sensitive, whew, that's a sensitive area. I am on another soapbox. I jumped from one to the yeah. other. Well, it, it just seems, <laughs> but you asked. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. It, it just seems to me that at, what we're talking about is, is as you keep saying and keep bringing us back to, um, yeah. our shiny souls. How, how, do we, yeah. how do we create communities that focus yeah. on that space from a whole body heart and mind experience from the the unity of the three right as opposed yes. to just yeah. um i'm going to tell you i'm going to do for you i'm going to show you the right way and and yeah. when you step off the path i'm going to nudge you back or kick you back into space that you're yeah. supposed to be in so yeah. the the center of this has to be yeah. has to be the human with the shiny soul or, or, you know, I mean, we, we've talked before about PJ having a shiny soul, you know, like the, 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 the the essence of, of life being the focus. If if it's true that we are storytelling people, Uh, I mean, and we relate to each other through story. I I believe that that's true. I think stories are at the core of who we are, that we can memorize facts and everything, mm -hmm. but they don't, do shit to change our behavior. I mean, facts are facts and they're interesting and everything, but stories are what you go back and you read Richard's piece again. And that mm-hmm. I'm going to keep grabbing that word of resilience because mm-hmm. it really did hop out at me that he told that in a way of a story. And there was a part like, how do we go beyond? And we have stories conjure up um, true, true stories, stories of the heart, not stories of performance, but stories of the heart shared conjure up our own stories of the heart that make that bring more questions that bring a sense of curiosity of of how then do we live so organized religion is a vessel and vehicle for stories that have been told for thousands of years in 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 a lot of cases thousands of years stories that were never intended to be memorized and recited verbatim mm to get the words right, because the words have been translated and transliterated from one language to another. And so they they have different, you know, it was something that Jesus spoke Aramaic and it was translated into Hebrew and 
in Hebrew was spoken in some places, and then that was translated into Latin for the Roman, and then that was translated into English, and and then there's all these different translations and transliterations of of so there's stories that were told around campfires for thousands of years, mm-hmm. not to be performed, but to remind us of what happens when we fall away from that shine. Mm-hmm. Call it God, call it good, call it whatever, call it, but it's that piece of us. And so the Enneagram reminds us of that. And so when we can tell story and have places where we can share our stories and our, it's not so we get it right. It's not so we can understand what the word resilience means. It's not so we can understand what the word shame means, the, the definition of it. We do wrestle with definitions, but what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. That's where it takes on meaning. And that's where, that's where we can grapple with it and we can step beyond it, where we can integrate it into our lives. It's not a piece of information to plant into our heads so we can spew it back out and defend it. And so one of my, my biggest sadnesses is, is that in losing our institutions of religion and, so, and, and they have to be deconstructed, I am in favor of that. But what are we reconstructing in their place so that the stories don't die? So that those stories that have shaped us and formed us for so long and been passed down from father to son and mother to daughter and grandparents to grandkids and in community Mm -hmm. don't get lost. So we stop grappling. We stop having places where we grapple with what does grace mean? Otherwise, we go and we try and find that on our own. And we don't hear each other's experiences of that and come to wrestle with those things have meaning. I mean, the the faster we go in this world, the less inclined we are to slow down. And these are our slow conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all yearning for those. The Enneagram gives us, again, not as as a test, not as an online test. Mm -hmm not as a book to be read, not as information to be devoured. Mm-hmm. That's all there. And it's important that we use them and utilize them, but only for the sake of slowing down and wondering what these things mean mm-hmm. for us collectively. Mm-hmm. How does it show up in me? How does it show up for you? And how does that affect us, the world around yeah. us? Yes. Because I might have a sliver of light in me and you might have a sliver of light in you, but there's also, when we come together, there's a light that becomes uh, I think it's John O'Donohue that writes of the space to bless the space between us is his book of blessings. But it's that so there is a light between us that we tend to also, which is a whole nother conversation. But we have to start close in. We have to start with our own selves, but not for the sake of becoming better, but for the sake of taking that next step of so then what's next? What's the light between us that we tend mm-hmm. to? And how do we do that? Yeah. For the sake of us. Yeah. For the sake of us. Yeah. And us, for not just you we. and me, but us, right. we, in terms of all of this, uh, can I have, I mean, mm-hmm. just yesterday, wasn't it the, there's a new agreement on, on, um, on oceans, uh, took 15 yes. years to negotiate towards it. Yes. Uh, yep. What if those negotiations truly started from, for the sake of us, what do yeah. we need? Maybe it wouldn't have taken 15 years to get there. I know. You know? I know. Instead, we start from an entirely different place of of individual interest. Yeah. 
And and that's sort yeah. of the shift that you're alluding to, right? For the sake of us. It is. In that yeah. space of, yeah. Yeah. Collective. I remember, what what is Al Gore's movie that he put out forever ago? The uh, Global Warming. It was an Inconvenient Truth. Inconvenient Truth, yes. Inconvenient Truth. And I remember when I first saw that film that he said he was creating that so that people would find their connection to the world because global warming and climate change and all those things had been, I think acid rain mm-hmm. had was in the conversation and there was all this data coming out and all this, look at what, here's what's happening. And there were all these graphs and all that, mm-hmm. but nobody was telling the story of how it directly, where is your story in this? And where's your, mm-hmm. so everybody was pointing fingers at everybody else. Well, if only the oil companies would stop doing this and if only the big business would stop doing that. And if only, if only those people would, he said, I'm making this so people can find their own selves in this story. And it's an inconvenient truth. Maybe that's the by maybe that should be the the tagline of the Enneagram is an inconvenient, an inconvenient truth. truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. Sure is. Sure is. Yeah. 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 The stories not matter not because of the facts, but because of what they tell us. Right. They remind right. us of and facts. Facts matter. I mean, good information matter. Accurate information matters. No, but like matters. the the story of the parable. I'm just pulling from my old mm-hmm. Bible knowledge from my childhood. The the parable of the loaves. Ooh, I know. I know. Of the loaves and the fishes isn't about <laughs> the loaves and the fishes. No. it's about the spirit of generosity and community and connection. Exactly right. And and yet we get so caught up in the details of well, how, were there five thousand yeah. or were there two thousand? Well, let's let's go to the archaeological and, site and see if we can find where that where actually happened. From? Where where did and these how did it really yes, happen? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm, I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you tell it as a story, it's like, oh, my God, how many of us have experienced loaves and fishes when all, you sit down and you're like, oh, we're going to stay for dinner and I don't have. Wait a minute. I got a bag of chips out in the car. Sure, sure. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Hold it. I've got a coupon for pizza. They'll deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have a, f- a feast, yeah. a feast, a feast, a feast that everybody feels welcome to and part of. I know. That creates the spirit and that glowingness. I mean, we've all had those experiences of, of, of get-togethers where that was just such a special night for whatever reason. And yeah. if you were asked to think about that, there is a feeling of glow around that experience. Yeah. And how many of us have wanted to go back and recreate that experience? So you try, you do it down mm. to the letter and it never and it's never the same the spirit because it's a recreation Mm -hmm. it's not being present with what is happening in the moment yeah yeah so being present to what's happening in the moment is the way yeah and we learn how to do that in nine different ways absolutely and we trip ourselves up here's again where the (laughs) any right and the enneagram to go back to our conversations is simply it really is just the details i mean it it doesn't In and of itself, it doesn't bring anything more than a huge map. So we start small. You got to start close in. Here's here's what I need. I don't need to know all that stuff out there. I don't need to know which part of my wing is my wing and which part of my levels. My I, I you start close in and you wrestle with those words. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not an enneagram teaching, really. That's more of a that's a sacred teaching. That's a soulful teaching. That's words we would normally ascribe to those places of, of wisdom. It's a wisdom teaching. Mm. And who are those people you can wrestle with? So dear listener, I mean, I know you're not 
you may be in Scotland and then, you know, you may be somewhere else. Um, who are the people you get to wrestle with these with? Um, and not just to figure it out and solve it, but to dare to ask questions and own it. And, and who is a, a wise one that's a couple steps down the road that can create that container for you? Yeah, hold space for that. Uh, hold space because the container matters. Yeah. It does matter. I mean, I realize we don't like to be contained, but the truth is we are contained and wow. and, and, and those boundaries hold us tight. Yeah. This is an inside yeah. job done best in community. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, unless you have anything more you'd like to add, another soapbox to jump yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do. Always. I, always. I know you can. I know you can. And, and yeah, yeah. And that's, I love that. I love that about you. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So but we'll save it. Yeah, we'll save for it for next, next time. time. Next time we're talking about rituals and storytelling. So, you know, rev wow. it up, baby. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. No, this, is, this oh, has been wonderful yeah. as always. Thank you. Yeah, as always. Um, yeah. I will remind our listeners that we're trying to broaden our reach. So if you like this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, shoot us a note at meanderingswithtrudy at gmail.com or... Uh, mm-hmm. Write us a review on your favorite podcast uh, site. Drop us a few stars on Apple. Please um, do. Wherever. We, we'd really love to. Um, I mean, as we've said in this conversation, there aren't that many spaces that these kinds no. of conversations happen. The ones that remind us to pay attention to our shiny soul and the shiny soul of other yeah. people. Hold yeah. space for one another. Give each other grace and show kindness. Um, yeah, those spaces that we used to do that in are are um, are fading. So, how do we create new spaces, new spaces and places yeah. for this? So, um, we're hoping that you guys will help us broad, broaden our reach anyway yeah. for conversations that matter. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so please do. Yeah, share, yeah. share, review, all that kind of stuff. You bet. And we will uh, we will be back again with the podcast in in uh, two weeks after this. Um, mm-hmm. where we will talk about ritual and storytelling. That'll be great. Yeah. All right. I bet. Thanks, Angie. All right. Thanks, Trudy. <laughs>